You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Media Group podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. This year's theme is all about generations. Generations of family businesses that have been passed down over time and have stood the test of time. There's so many of these great family-owned businesses across the state of Iowa, and this year we're going to focus on the dynamics that go into having a successful family business that's been passed down from generation to generation. Bill and Charlie Nusser are the father and son duo behind Hans Jewelers, a venerable family-operated store in Iowa City providing jewelry, gems, and watches for over 165 years. In fact, they're the oldest operating jewelry shop in all of Iowa. Bill and Charlie both share their respective stories about how they first joined the family business, how they navigate the line between business and family, and they explore the unique ways their business has evolved over time. Additionally, Bill reflects on some of the worst adversity the business has ever faced. Charlie shares how his approach to the financials has shifted, and they both explore what real success means to them. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Well, Bill, Charlie, thank you so much for for joining us. We're here at the start of the year in 2024, and this is our sixth year for this podcast. The time, congratulations! Time, yeah, thank you. Time <laughs> time goes quick, and we were with our uh, esteemed uh, committee. Uh, there isn't one, but it was you know we were just kind of talking about how uh, to approach this year and the folks we want to talk to here in Eastern Iowa. We we're just thinking about some of the more unique businesses in in the corridor, and maybe is there a theme or something, a thread that can tie them all together? And we came up with this idea of of really diving into family businesses, these generational businesses that have been around and, and passed the business down from one generation to the next. And there's such a rich um, uh, tradition of that here, you know, not only in the United States, but across the world. I was just looking up some stats and 85% of the companies in the world are family owned businesses and about five and a half million family businesses just here in the United States that employ about 65% of the total workforce. Oh, wow. So, Interesting. Yeah, it's such an important part of yeah. our economy and, and some of our more well-known businesses here in Eastern Iowa are longstanding family-owned businesses. And and when I was thinking about it, someone that's has businesses myself in downtown Iowa City, you know, the kind of the, the OG, the godfather <laughs> of family-owned businesses in, in downtown Iowa City is Hands Jewelers. So, as we were talking about this this concept for the year, we're going to focus on 12 businesses in Eastern Iowa that are family-owned businesses. And um, you guys are are really, you know, the, the pillar of that uh, here in our downtown community and, you know, the oldest jeweler in the state of Iowa. Um, and I think, Charlie, you're the, what, the ninth generation? Uh, so, yeah, for, for jewelers in the family, that'd be correct. And then for a business owner, it'd be the fifth generation here in Iowa City. So, yeah, yeah. it's, it's on, an honor. It's really neat. Yeah. Which is truly remarkable. And, we're and you know, the, the podcast explores, you know, what makes successful businesses, what makes successful business people. And there's really a lot to unpack when it comes to a, a family business. I mean, there's the dynamic of continuity and um, going from one generation to the next, but then it's also about, you know, how do you handle adversity and, and change, but also about what stays the same, right? And there's there's things I know that y'all are doing in your business that, that you were doing five generations ago. So 
I, I think it'll make for a really, really interesting conversation. And, uh, sure. you know, of course, jewelry is something we can all relate to as well. <laughs> so look forward to having that sort of conversation. But, but Bill, take us back to some of your earlier childhood memories growing up in and around Hans Jewelry and, and what you remember about the business as a, as a kid growing up. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having us here, Nate, too. We appreciate it. Um, when I was little, my grandfather Hans was running the business. I guess my father was, my, but my grandfather Hans was still working there. And um, he was kind of a wise old guy, a man of few words, but when he spoke, you listened. And, and um, uh, he was a jeweler, a bench jeweler by trade. And and um, uh, and back then, there were a lot of services that associated with the business that were in-house, like watchmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a couple of jewelers, a couple of watchmakers, and which for a small store in a small town was a lot. And um, so I would hear my grandpa's stories. Uh, I would hear my dad didn't talk about it very much. And but, you know, we were very aware of what he did. We were always going in and out sure. of the place. And and, um, uh, and it didn't seem extraordinary that it was an old an old business. Mm-hmm. And, and um, we knew that the cases, the inside of the store was old looking sure. uh, back then and um but it was it was fun it was just part of our life it was just what we did I, yeah. we never saw our dad during december charlie what do you remember were there some stories about sort of the early days so oh, hands gosh. you know had its, had its arrival in iowa city in the middle later part of the 19th century right yeah. like yep. are there stories about the, yeah. the business that had been passed down through the so generations. We, we kind of we, we joke about one of them, and one of the first one is that we moved a lot. So we we have not moved since uh, eighteen ninety seven. We haven't moved, but prior to that, we moved like nine times. And so all we were thinking about is, man, we must not have been good at what we were doing. <laughs> and uh, uh, so you know, it's uh, but but you know, in all seriousness, Although I think that John Hans was a big risk taker. I, I think was, he, yeah. yeah, and yeah. I think that was part of the moving. Either that, or he wasn't. Paid John was in in the business in what years? The the great my great grandpa. Okay. Yeah, so that he he would have uh, he came into Iowa um, in 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 the eighteen nineties, and uh, uh, so he was he was the the first and, and came from a lineage of of watchmakers, um, and uh, so but yeah, I mean, growing up around the stores is such a great experience. It was just it was so neat because you know people are you know oh I know your dad or I know your mom or I got this from your dad, and, and so that was a really fun experience. That's a blessing and a curse. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> different stories that follow the the different piece of the jewelry around yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. go back to that piece though about the risk taking were there some of those stories from those early kind of pioneering days of the business that that's that stood out or have you been know, passed down I, I don't know if there's one any in like in particular but you could definitely tell from kind of the the stories we've been told as well as just the the newspaper advertisements you know sure. different things they try in terms of you could you watch the store kind of go from john hands who um you know, none of us knew him, but debatable whether he had the biggest personality or not in the world. But it went from a watchmaker to, you know, kind of into a drawer store. He had some interesting um, ha- uh, things that he supported. He supported auto racing, for one thing. And um, uh, so there are uh, several pictures of, of him with trophies that mm-hmm. they provided, I'm sure. And, uh, and, and the, the Hanson Nusser families have been 
involved in the public library for many for as many generations mm -hmm. as where we've been here and and um so there are some common things i'm not sure that we would be involved in auto racing today but <laughs> or the first bicycle club at, uh, in iowa city started yeah. at Schuler's. neither one of bill or i are big bicyclists yeah. but support it, <laughs> Is um, it yeah, go ahead uh, the the university has been a presence in our business too. Sure, for, for in a university town, yeah, yeah, for many generations, and we were the official timekeepers of the university for for a long time, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know that would be quite the task. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, we've done a lot of awards, um, like the presidential medallion mm -hmm. um, was done by a graduate student here, but my grandfather Hans um, consulted heavily on it, did all the stone setting and all that kind of stuff. So. I remember seeing that being made and, sure. and, um, uh, and, you know, to think about what the business looked like in the, in the 1800s is it's remarkable. It, yeah. it is remarkable. It doesn't, there are only a few ways in which it re we resemble that today. And, mm -hmm. and, um, but they're, they're big ways, you know, I think one of the interesting things with these closely held family businesses is that sort of line of demarcation between family and business. You guys talk a bit about how, how you approach that is there is there uh you know don't when you cross this line we're not going to talk about business when you get to the dinner table or how do you guys manage that or is there a certain approach or does it all kind of blend together in the end yeah i mean i don't know if there was any hard and fast rules other than you could kind of feel it out you know there definitely uh would be some awkward dinner conversations or you know you it was very clear that you had to leave what was you know, supposed to be left at the store at the store. Now, the real realistic perspective is you can't always do that. Right. And and whether you're actually uh, continuing that conversation or just being uh, passive aggressive towards your father, <laughs> which I especially well, passive in. aggressiveness in every family. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so you know, we we, we uh, it, was, it was something that we were fortunate. You know, Bill made it easier, so it wasn't terribly hard for me to navigate that. But you know, there's certainly time. I mean, that's the toughest thing about family businesses is that it's a family business. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. I I try not to talk about work very much at home. Um, and none. <laughs> yeah. Well, and my strategy there was I was thinking that I was hoping that one of my children would want to do it, and I thought the best way to kill that would hear about all the problems at the work. Yeah. yeah. Right. And um, and I know many jewelry families that that broke apart at about the third generation, mm -hmm. and they're just a person felt obligated to go into the business but did not want to be doing it and you really have to want to be doing retail especially not not just jewelry but retail so um we've been fortunate that every generation has wanted to do it sure talk a, a bit about that from both of you guys' story i mean how did you get wh where was that point where you're like i'm going to get into the, the family business because and bill you went off to to Michigan, Charlie, you were doing some different things before you got into into working in the family business. I'd like to hear from both of you. It, was, it doesn't seem like it was always preordained in, in either of your right. instances, or maybe it was, but talk a bit about, maybe Bill, you can start how yeah. how your path to getting into officially, you know, taking over the family business. Yeah, I, I started out as a janitor. I mean, as I had said earlier that um, when I was 15, I came into the store to, just to visit my dad and after a music lesson and the manager of the store put a broom in my hand literally and said go to work and so that's how i started <laughs> that's how i got into it which i and i loved it it was just and i did that for about a, maybe a year and a half i guess till i was out of high school and although by by the time i was a senior in high school i um 
was on the floor I was selling. Okay. And, and um, uh, there were some of that experience there. Yeah. 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 And um, then when I was in college, I uh, had a money argument with my parents and I said, oh, don't send me any more. And here I am at Michigan, which <laughs> kind of was, money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was kind of a harsh reality about, you know, that about making my own money. And um, so I had to get a job. Worked in the really the very first chain jewelry store in the United States. It was a company that had 22, 26 units um, between Ohio and Michigan. And, um, and I had to join the Amalgamated Clothing Workers Union to, to work there. Which okay. <laughs> that in itself is a big story. But um, I, 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 I couldn't keep doing that. I mean, it was just not what I was doing. Uh, it wasn't my background and the owner of the company had interviewed me and he said you're not going to work out here because your store your family store is a guild store and i said well i don't know what that means and right. he said well they cater to the carriage trade and i said i don't know what that means either <laughs> he goes, you have a better clientele than you're going to have here and okay. and it probably won't work and i said well i'd like to i was Learn. desperate you know and like to prove you wrong and he goes you'll prove me right and i'll okay. give you the opportunity which was nice and then i sort of talked my way into a job uh at a, a very old family jeweler in ann arbor and um so for the next four years i worked there and paid my tuition and my roommate and i had managed to buy a house too so i was my own landlord sure. and um and and it was just it was all fortuitous it was all lucky breaks and and mm. Were you doing that knowing that one day you would be coming back? And Yeah, and I knew that I wanted, you know, I almost, I knew probably from maybe the first day that I went in there that I really loved doing that. Sure. And I loved that business. And, and so, yes, I mean, I was really directed towards doing this. Yeah. What did you learn from a contrast perspective working from the corporate chain jeweler compared to a family owned jeweler? I mean, were there, what, what, well, did, what did you learn to appreciate more about a, a closely held business like that number one a good boss mm -hmm. my my boss with that company was just so horrible and everybody hated him but he seemed to hate me the worst and and um <laughs> and i really don't blame him i guess but um i also i think that you learn that what's the same and what's not the same and so the guy i worked for for many years with whom i'm still in contact um was he really taught me things that I would not have learned in our own business and like how to install batteries was one of them, but the way he did business and because it was very small store, but it was very exclusive. And, um, so I, I, again, a different atmosphere, same kind of store, different kind of customer. Um, and my boss had the, probably the best taste and joy of anybody I've ever known in my whole life. And, and, um, so he bought, well, but he could talk you out of a sale so quickly. It was amazing. <laughs> so I was good for him in that respect. Yeah. But, you know, when I, and he was great to me, just like a, a family person. And, and when I came back and started working for my father, that was not smooth. It was not easy. And, and um, he and I did not see eye to eye on a lot of things. And, and um, uh, it was hard. How did you guys work through that? that that's always that's got to be an interesting dynamic, right? You know, yeah. father, fathers and sons, and then you, you weave in this whole business. And then boss that, and, and boss that and did bleed into our personal life totally. And and um, uh, and my dad was a great man, and I love my dad. And and he, um, there's so many things he did that were sort of very revolutionary in the trade. Mm -hmm. And and um, 
he was also a big person about, uh, on human rights. So he uh, was an advocate for things that were good and important. And, and um, uh, but family in the business was not one of them. He, we, uh, <laughs> we sat at a desk, a partner's desk, and we were, so we were right opposite mm -hmm. one another. So it was like we were never away from one another. <laughs> and um, that was kind of interesting too. But the way, what happened was that one day my dad came in to the store and said, we've just built a, we're building a vacation house in Colorado and we're going to go out there and I'm going to be gone for six weeks and you won't be able to contact me because we have no phones before yeah. cell phones or now it's your turn bill you run this place <laughs> yeah and and i remember my first thought was we're gonna find out now whether i'm full of you know what or not yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and and um and i must have been okay but but literally he walked out and never came back yeah what's the hardest thing about working for your dad what was the most challenging thing well the fact that we didn't agree about how things should be done i i had a um, how do you manage conflict like that if you're yeah, oh, you have the father well, down to the son, and now he, the son is trying to provide recommendations. He's the dad. Yeah. He was the dad. I mean, I, I really didn't, if he didn't agree with me. He let you was, Yeah, right. It was too bad. It, whatever yeah. he said went. And and um, and I, I felt, I'm not sure that it was really true, but I felt like if it was a good idea, it was his, and if it was a bad idea, it was mine. <laughs> and, and, um, you get that luxury as a father. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you claim all the good ideas and pass off the bad ones. Exactly. No, but uh, we didn't really manage it very well, and it was very frustrating. But again, I loved what I did, I, and I was good at what I did at the time. And uh, but basically, I was a, a, a good salesperson, mm -hmm. and that was it. Yeah. Did did that sales strength sort of complement some of your dad's? Did, did you guys feel like you you maybe provided some strengths where he might have a not necessarily a weakness, but did you guys feel like you kind of Batman well, and Robin did a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, yeah, I had different strengths than he did, and uh, and it was always shocking when I did something that he wouldn't do, and, and not necessarily, I mean, a good thing. And and for instance, I sold um, one of his good friends a diamond that was in the six figures one time, and what? my my dad just about died. When I, <laughs> when I said, this is what I just did. And he got on the phone and he wanted to get a bigger diamond. My dad was super competitive and he wanted to get a bigger diamond than this woman. <laughs> he and, his son, yeah. And, 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 and meanwhile, I'm calling the same company, talking to the president, saying, if you let him have a bigger diamond, then we're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And so, so competition, iron sharpens iron, right? That's right. Good. So, I mean, that was, those were the kind of challenges that were kind of interesting yeah that's interesting well, charlie but you got your dad sitting right yeah, yeah. sitting right here yeah, like, absolutely. did you know you were was it was it for you you know as a, as a kid growing up here in iowa city did you know you were going to be so, running the running the show at some point in time yeah so I, I i always felt like i was going to and uh, uh so i also started off as janitor which is uh, uh, a great i mean i love that strategy start from the humbling, bottom right yeah very humbling and but in all honesty I, one of the smartest things i feel like Bill or our family ever did was you need to start from the bottom work up because we have employees who've been with us for 20, 30, 40 years, you right? Just jump right so ahead. it's like, yeah, you can't put this young kid in who, you know, thinks he knows everything and clearly doesn't know a thing. I mean, I knew more back then than I do now, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. but um, if you, if you were going to run, manage these people at some point, yeah, 
you had to understand what it was they did. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so seeing those different jobs was, was really important. And so um, I, I did that and then, uh, you know, was kind of involved in just yeah, kind of the back end of stuff for a while, then went and did my own thing and then uh, decided to come back into the store. And uh, uh, it was a great experience in the sense of, you know, it was great to be back home. Uh, it was also a very scary experience because I realized I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, unlike Bill, Bill is the greatest salesperson who's ever existed as well as has fantastic taste. Um, you know, I work really hard. <laughs> um, and uh, so I'll never forget because, you know, Bill mentioned earlier, he didn't talk about work at all. Like, I wish he would have talked a little more about it. So uh, I would have more, you know, stories in my mind. But uh, uh, I had, you could pull any kid off the street. They would know just as much as I knew about jewelry. Sure. And People come in, they see the owner's son. He should know what he's talking about. Well, I didn't even know what I'm showing them. And so um, Charlie's a super quick learner and he is uh, he doesn't want to be in in the inferior position. So he's a great study. Yeah, quick I, study. Uh, you yeah. don't know. You, you know what you don't know. There's something to be said about yeah, that. So then you, then you can work at it and learn yeah, it. And, absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and, and I had to grind hard. Like I that was the hardest I ever worked in my life was to really try and figure out, OK, I need to figure out what it is I'm doing because I need to be successful with it. So, um, yeah, this was in your. When you were starting to work full time, yeah, this was in your late twenties, or yeah, so this would have been my early twenties. So early twenties, yeah, yep, yeah. And, uh, and what were you doing prior to that? Because you didn't so, know, yeah. Right? So prior to that, I was uh, so I, I was uh, mowing yards for Quality Care, and then um, uh, uh, Dean, who owned Quality Care at the time, offered me a job that was way, way out of my league. I was still in college and business school, and um, uh, to to essentially be the the uh, operations manager of the storage facility, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, you know, I, so I decided to take that, you know, Bill and I talked about, it, I decided to take that job and, uh, it was a great experience. I worked with, uh, yeah. <laughs> I gotta tell you, this was while you were working at college, you were doing yeah, that. Yeah. 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 The, the, but you were working in hands. You had yeah. worked in the lawn department in the summers yeah. and in quality care. And Dean and Dean Moore and I went out to lunch a lot. And, and one particular day he goes, why can't I find people like Charlie? And I, and, <laughs> take him for and a we bit. talked about it a little we're bit and I said, well, make Charlie an offer. And he did. Oh yeah, he did. <laughs> and Charlie came to me, and it was an offer that couldn't be refused. Mm -hmm. And and I remember at when Charlie accepted it, thinking, "Oh my God, did I not fight hard enough for Charlie?" And and yeah. you know, shouldn't should I have aided and abetted there? And um, <laughs> but the fact was, you weren't that dedicated to what you were doing, and so yeah, for sure. It was a good experience. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, going and doing that, and that was, you know, one of the things you asked Bill about was kind of working in a corporate environment or a bigger environment and seeing other people's styles. If you ask me one thing I think that every, you know, person in a family business should do, it's that going and seeing how somebody does it differently. You sure. know, I, I always joke with my wife that, you know, my management style is a combination of of my dad, my aunt, and then Sean Pearl, uh, someone <laughs> I worked with at, at Quality Care, because right. it, it was really kind of seeing those three and seeing there's something to take from each one of those. How can I kind of mold that and make it into my own? And so um, that was a really, really great experience, but it, it was also great to kind of come back home to hands. And uh, it, there's a lot of pride, you know, there's a lot of pride being a part of that and you know one of the things that that my dad has always taught us is that you know yeah we sell jewelry but we're in the relationship business and we're also in the business of supporting other families too and that we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can do to support those families those families need to eat better than we're eating and, and then hopefully one day we can all eat the same if that makes sense so yeah. uh, that that was a big big thing and, and really kind of helped want me to kind of get into that and, and jump back in
That's great. And Billy talked about your relationship with your dad. Now, how about with Charlie? How did that inform how you well, I managed have to say your that, son when you were there? I have to say that I was great with Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, fairly early on, I gave you a lot of responsibility. Yeah. I tried to stay out of your... You did, yeah. Uh, and I wanted you to make your own decisions, and I wanted to function as a safety net. And now, with watching him take over the helm and oh my gosh. managing, how would you describe how his management of the business is different than yours? It, you know, there are fundamental ways in which it's the same, but it's really different. I mean, one of the big issues uh, right around the time that I left. Um, what year was that? Uh, it was during the, at the very beginning of the pandemic. So okay. it was like March of 2020. 2020. Yeah. yeah. And um, the, Charlie, when, I mean, I came into work one day and Charlie said, you're too high risk to be working here. Yeah. And he, he had a bunch of health issues prior to that. And it was like, and he had just gotten better. Sure. And it was like, yeah. no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Which I thought, you know, I interpreted as an act of love, not kicking me out. <laughs> and, and, uh, That's a good strategy. Yeah, right? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really worry about you, Dad. <laughs> and one of the biggest issues was it was the emergence of, of lab-grown diamonds in the marketplace and how to handle it. Now, a lot of jewelers of our caliber were having trouble with that. We're, we're, um, at first, I mean, Charlie made decisions about that that I never would have made, and they were the right decision. Hmm. And so immediately his imprint was strong. Talk and about that. Right. Just, I mean, this is just a complete yeah. person that is sure. a bad husband, hasn't bought a diamond. <laughs> like, I don't know, a lab-grown diamond. I don't, I don't think I even know what that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So, th so uh, there's, there's been the technology. In fact, ironically enough, De Beers and GE came up with the technology, I think, back in the 60s, um, that you could basically, man could create diamonds. Hmm. And it was really used for industrial purposes and other things like that. And kind of got to the point, like with, with everything, right, that you can get a machine for so much less money than you used to be able to. And so, um, you know, recently within the last couple of years, uh, lab grown diamonds, so diamonds that are created in a lab, not from, from the earth, sure. have become uh, an, an item. And so, and uh, that's that was a tough thing for the jewelry industry. There was a lot of pushback on that. And um, I, I, you know, I honestly, I kind of ran, normally I think I probably would ask you about those things. I kind of ran with that one in the sense of, uh, I was going to let our customers kind of push us in the right direction, sure. right? I was not going to, I didn't want to take this approach that a lot of jewelers take that, that is, I'm the jeweler, I'm right. No, that's not necessarily true. I can help you and I can kind of be the rails to help you to get what you want, but I shouldn't really be deciding for you. I'll, what I'll do is I'll lay out the pros and I'll lay out the cons for you and then you can decide from there. And uh, that's that's kind of how we've approached that and, and had, had a good relationship with it without it transforming our business which is nice well but i think it did transform it in a, in a, in a way the positive way <laughs> but i'll tell you as a family business that one of the things probably the thing i said the most when i was in charge was that um, the only way we can stay the same is to change yep. and and i never wanted to hear anybody say we've always done it that way Interesting. And I, to me that's cancer in any kind of business and but especially a multi-generational one yeah so always being open to change a bit is is Consumers' taste may change, yeah. but how about what has stayed the same? Now, there, I know there's, well, there's got to be some things in terms of bedrock <laughs> culture, yeah, values. I mean, are there some things that have been passed down that are just? Yeah, you know, number one is that customer service is paramount, and relationships with people. That I mean, we have relationships that are as many generations as we are in this business, and um, and even in a transient town like Iowa City, mm -hmm. that there are a number of people that we 
We know what their grandparents bought. And we know what their parents bought. We know what jewelry they own and all these kinds of things. And, and um, so that is that having those relationships be able to cross over generations is important. And, and jewelry is very intimate. Nobody needs jewelry. And, and it's something that people use to express things that are harder to express verbally. And, and um, uh, so we have to be doing something to so that people believe that the value of having the piece of jewelry is worth more than the money that they're spending on it. Yeah. And and so and the quality has been something yeah. always. My grandfather Absolutely. Hans always said, "Don't be afraid to buy something that's superb because yeah. there will always, the customer will that's always great. find it the right customer," which is true. And that has been that was important for me. Yeah. And um, it, yeah, and you know, one of the things that I think it stayed the same. And I just think about this is something that my dad taught me right away when I came into the business. And this is something that has stuck with me. And I think. Uh, and I think it's really been passed down, but I think Bill kind of verbalized it the best. And it's basically that, you know, everyone deserves to be treated the same. You know, we're very fortunate. We work with high profile people, which is nice. We also work with, you know, people who it looks like they may have nothing. And and he told me a lot when I first started, I'll never forget. He goes, you know, I don't care if any put a big name out there who I knew shopped with us comes in the store. If you're waiting on, uh, we had at that time we had a, a homeless gentleman who would come in and get watch batteries and kind of hang out. He's a great guy, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And, yeah. and he said, I don't care if you know so and so comes in and you're waiting on on this gentleman with the watch battery. You don't move an inch. You finish that transaction with the <laughs> watch great. battery and it was kind of like what like really and yeah. then it, but when i when it kind of explains to me it's like oh my gosh yes that is us that is hands that is who we are you know we will go to part the end of perth doesn't matter what you spend we don't care what you spend we just want you to be a customer for life and part of the dna of the company that's absolutely passed down yeah that's yeah. really cool have there been any slogans or mottos or you know values mission state anything like that that sort of has been made its way through the generations at all or is you know i mean the traditions or yeah, anything the, like that yeah so i mean the the, the big one is you know what, what bill says where the the only <laughs> the only way to say the same is to change is, is uh is, is a big one i think that's something that has really been passed down uh because that's a really easy thing to say and actually a really hard thing to do yeah. you know because it's really easy to just go in and be like hey we've been doing it this way forever why change it and i feel like we struggle with that every single day i mean as an old business there's stuff that we do where you walk in and be like is it 1954 yeah. like what is <laughs> happening you guys are still writing these in you know yeah. but at the same time there's value that's there and i think that for for me myself going into the business being younger coming out of business school and think, oh, I know this and efficiency and, you know, bottlenecks and all this stuff that there's actually a re first, I need to learn the reasons why we're doing something. And so, um, you know, that, that, that was definitely one thing. And in terms of sayings, not too many of them are appropriate. <laughs> um, uh, but, Keep those internal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wrong with that. But I think just that the, 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 the idea of excellence to customer service has always been something that we've always really talked about and, you know, and just giving everything to our customers. I think that for us, we kind of skipped the sayings and the mantras and we jumped right into showing it and proving it, if that makes sense. And not that there's anything wrong with sayings or mantras, but we wanted to be able to show, you know, our customers, you know, we're here for you. We want to do our best as well, show our employees that, that you know, we're a team and we're here for you as well. And uh, that was something that I think just that overall arching, you know, everyone should be treated the same, whether it's employees or staff is something that has really, really been kind of pushed through the, the generations. Yeah.
Um, it's interesting um, because every generation has done something that was good for them or or not good for them. And and um, my dad was a man of big dreams, and he wanted to expand. He sort of envisioned himself as being all over the world, actually. But but he started. We at one point we had seven stores, mm -hmm. and, um, and today it's one. Today is one. Yep. Right? Thank and, goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> and, and, so he opened them all up. I was responsible for making sure that they all ran well, which they didn't. Mm -hmm. And um, because we were sort of the wrong thing in the wrong place in some cases. We had a store in Lindale Mall that did very well. We opened up a store in Westdale Mall that just bombed. Um, we had a store in Clinton. We had another jewelry store in Iowa City. Um, and so when it became mine, my first thing to, to do was to shut these things down because they were spreading me so thin sure. that I couldn't focus on yeah. what my dad would call the, the goose that lays the, gold, lays the yeah. golden eggs, and which is the one that still exists. It's interesting as time goes on and you, different phases of a business, you know, you, you, had, you had witnessed that with your dad and you had, then you had to come and make a decision what was right for the business in, in the market and the, at that point in time, what was right for you and the family and all those sort of things. So I think as you look at any sort of generational business like that, everyone, yeah. all of them kind of have different moments in time where they're in growth mode. And then, yeah, not, not that your dad may, at that point in time made the wrong decision. It no, was, I'm sure he had all the right intentions and I think he did thought through it, but it just, think... yeah. And that now it's one and it's thriving and right, yeah. it's interesting. Um, but I, all I could do was what I did, what I, yeah. I knew what I did. Well. It was right for you. And, for you yeah. and I could do that one store and, and, uh, and when you start giving to other stores in terms of your time and your effort, you're taking away from the one store. So yeah, absolutely. one of the things we've been really lucky about is that we have really long-term employees and, yeah. and that's great because so people fortunate. see the same people when they yeah. come in the store, but it's also a challenge for, we've always done it what, that way of thinking yeah. and, and, um, the people get pretty, they, they want to do everything the same way. And that's just not yeah. what works necessarily. And so. Yeah. Take me, not to get too dark now, but I mean, of a company that's been around since the middle of the 19th century, you know, civil wars and, and world wars and, and great depressions and any business, whether you're around for a year or 150 plus years is going to go through adversity. What can you take me back to what you would call maybe one of the, the darker moments when the business oh, yeah. was maybe on the on the verge of Absolutely, no longer being? Yeah. When was that and what lessons were learned through that experience? That was 1981. We had all these stores, all these satellite stores, and we had a big old family jewelry store in Moline, Illinois also. And um, the farm crisis hit, so the value of land just completely dropped. Um, gold prices went up because land prices went down. Um, they went up to astronomical levels. So they went from $90 an ounce to $900 an ounce in a very short period of time. And um, and that, you know, people stop buying gold um, when that happens. And people even stop buying diamonds, which is very rare. Mm -hmm. And and um, uh, so those were all kind of awful things. There there was uh, there were a lot of investment scams going on in the United States, one of them being diamonds as an investment. And, and the prices of one carat D-flawless, which is a perfect diamond, went from about $14,000 a carat to uh, to $64,000 a carat, wow. and, which was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. and, 
Um, there were opportunities in that, but but it was number still... of customers that can afford that. Pretty <laughs> well, quick. yeah, yeah. Right. So and, and so you know the diamond business, which is what sustains us, basically was was very challenging, and and um, so yeah, I think all those things combined were very very difficult, and and um, uh, we were spread thin financially from all these expansions, and and um, uh, it was hard. I mean, we all took pay cuts. The family took pay cuts. Um, and at that time, my wife was working at ACT, and she had a much better paying job than I had. <laughs> and they laid off. They lost her contract for uh, for the work that she did. And so all of a sudden, we are at about 25% of what we were making before. And, and um, uh, so, yeah, we were just as bare bones as we possibly could get. Hunker down. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the things that save us through all these is that we continue focusing on what we do well. Yeah. We continue yeah. focusing on relationships. We continue focusing on a good environment for our health. Um, we continue offering all the services, services we can. We're known for our gift wrapping, and my dad started economizing on that. And I'm, that was another thing where I said, no, we can't do that. Yeah. It's one of my favorite kind of stories about Bill is that, you know, when my grandfather would cut things when things would get bad and Bill would boost them. And I remember, you know, my dad telling us that when we were younger, and I was like, why would you boost them? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Because everybody was cutting back. Yeah. You know, and, and double down and yeah, stand out and, even more. Yeah. But, you know, what that taught me, though, is it's like, you know, you, you believe in yourself, you invest in yourself, and you invest in your team and your business. And, and, and that was such a, that, I feel like just hearing about that action kind of gave me this confidence where it's like, you know what, I'm going to go with what I believe is true. And I've always, I always joke around, but I mean it sincerely that, hey, if I, I don't want to be the one who, as a fifth generation, I don't want to be the one who runs this into the ground. But if I do, I'm going to do it, you know, running what I think is the best jewelry store in the world. And I can live with that, yeah. right? Like I can, I can be okay with that. Be pretty sad, pretty upset about it, be a total bummer, have to find a new job. But, uh, you know, kind of, you know, listening to him about, you know, bolstering those services and having that confidence in himself was something I don't think I had in myself, but, you know, just that story that kind of pushed me, you know, further as well. And what a blessing to have that institutional knowledge of having gone through those sort of darker moments of knowing that you can withstand that and you can work through it and you just double down on the things you're really good at. And yeah, my grandfather, my grandfather hands had the depression to deal with. Um, (laughs) And yeah. And I think my dad, there was a huge social transformation in the country between the 60s and 70s. And yeah. uh, and my dad had to weather that or navigate through that. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's when I started working in the late 60s. And so I was really on the cusp of those changes. And that was a good experience for me, too. Yeah. Well, just a couple questions as we wrap up here. I'm always fascinated to, to learn, Charlie, do you feel the weight of it? I mean, do you... is I mean, here you are in the whatever, you know, however you add up the generations, you know, eighth, ninth, fifth, whatever that might be. But do you feel an extra weight, an extra responsibility with carrying this amazing legacy forward? You know, I I think that uh, I'd be I'd love to see her say, Nate, no, no, I've got it. You know, (laughs) but uh, but the reality of it is that if it's not in the back of your mind that there's something wrong with you, you know, and I I think that 
one of the great things about working with my dad was he was really open with me and we could talk. And so you talk, he talked about how he shared a partner desk with his father. That was a big desk. Bill and I, and I happened to randomly measure this today because I was looking for something. We sat in a small room uh, that is maybe five feet wide and we had a desk that's 19 inches between us. So uh, we got very comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, we're very trim guys. And so it's not a problem, you know, like getting in. We'd get stuck when we both came out the door. But uh, uh, no, I mean, I think that, that, that it's always in your mind. I the, the time that it hit me the most, and, and I, I laugh about it now, and I got to be honest with you, it was absolutely terrifying in the moment, but was right after, after during COVID and, and the state had said, you know, lay everybody off. And so I laid everybody off, including my wife who works there and my dad. Mm-hmm. And I went over to the store and in our office is a picture of all the generations before us. And it's an empty store when it should be open at two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm just sitting there staring yeah. going, oh, my gosh, I'm the one. This yeah. is how this is going to happen. And uh, so it, it's something that I, I, I keep in the back of my mind. But uh, I know that if we stay true to who we are and who we've been, then we'll be just fine. Yeah. Is longevity a goal? Is transitioning this on, Charlie, to a another generation and keeping it whether it's in the family or closely held is that when as business owners we all have goals and you know we want to hit certain numbers or certain events is an event that you're working towards is that for it to move on to another generation i have to say that this is an area where charlie is really good i mean charlie if he got a big offer would sell the store anytime as well he should yeah it would be a would have been a harder decision for me Mm -hmm. than it will be for charlie because he yeah, I mean, I, I would love to, it, it's kind of, you kind of get torn because it's like, on the one hand, I would love to have a child who goes into it. Um, on the other hand, I'd love to have a child go and not have that weight. <laughs> like, it'd be really nice to have that. I think for myself personally, uh, I really, I, I, I haven't, it might be because I don't have kids yet. It's a goal of mine, but I, I haven't really thought it out that far. Um, it, when I was younger, yes, longevity was the only key. And I had the joke, oh, you know, I'm the fifth generation just trying to pass it on. And uh, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think that I, I always felt like that was what I needed to do until I came into the business. And my dad really kind of reinforced to us, it's, you know, be yourself, do you be who we are. You know, execute the way we've executed for 170 years, and you're going to be just fine. And so, uh, I don't think about that much. It might be good because I don't have kids yet. But uh, like Bill said, I mean, look. Ultimately, I would love to pass a business, perfect world. I pass on to one of my children or a relative in the family. You know, I have a nephew who, who loves the store. That'd be really cool. cool. But if the right offer comes in, you got to take it. Yeah, we'll run it. So yeah, run it successfully and those yeah, sort of things. Maybe yeah, yeah we'll take take care of the And I always had a, I had a succession plan. I mean, a real one, in case one of my kids didn't want to come sure. into it. And and I had a plan B and a plan C in terms of what I would do. And and so I I didn't rely on the idea that there would be another generation. And I think that was helpful to me at least. And I wanted to tell you that Lynn Rowett. I don't know whether you know him or mm-hmm. not. Um, when he worked at what was then First National Bank, now U.S. Bank, um, told me one time, because I was just sort of fretting about what was happening downtown and all this, and and another jeweler was coming in and going across the street from us, and I was thinking, oh, you know, what is this going to do for us? And he said, Bill, he goes, if you focus on your competition, you demean yourself. Hmm. And from that moment on, I never gave it a thought what anybody else did downtown. And, and, and um uh, yeah, and so again, it's another you do you scenario. Yeah. And, and um, 
Yeah, that, that, I think that's something that passed down to us as well. I mean, I remember early on, you know, just thinking about like competition because you're going to come out of business school and that's what you know. You know, you got to beat your competition. And, you know, I, I remember Bill saying to me, you know, you know, all the t- every time, every second you spend thinking about your competition, you're not thinking about your customers. And it was kind of like, whoa, yeah, that's else, you know, and uh, that really hit me hard as well as, you know, we have we have a. I, I love that we, the jewelry stores and I, I would say, and I also love that we're like the only place in America where we're all friends. Like, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it's like love all it's of them. A cool like, super cool. Yeah, like, we yeah. help but each other out, but yeah. that takes work. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, so Bill, Charlie, either one of you guys can take this one, but we like to ask folks about success and how you define it. Is there a way that hands has defined success over the years or, or you guys would personally define success? You know, I've always avoided those kind of things because it sets a kind of standard that may be too hard to actually achieve. <laughs> sure. And and, um, and and the jury's still out. You know, we're, we may be successful right now, but we still have a lot of time to screw that up, <laughs> sure. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, uh, I, when I first started, I was a total numbers hound, and that's how I looked at success. And now I look at the numbers once a month, and that's another thing I adopted from Bill that I did not understand when I first started because he's, you know, it. But now I look at it once a month because I can only control what I can control. Yeah. You know, it just it, if I'm looking at our numbers and we're down twenty percent, and I go out there and give twenty percent more to my customer, then I'm doing my job wrong. Period. Right. I should be giving that extra twenty percent no matter what those numbers say. And so I've kind of adopted that where at first it was like every morning I'm like looking at the numbers to try and see, you know, are we being successful? Are we growing? Are we doing X, Y, and Z? But I think ultimately now, you know, success is, it it is the feeling that you have as well as the feeling that your, your, your store, your customers and your employees have, you know, how do you feel about your business when you, when you close, when you lock that door at night, how do you feel about it? And I think that's kind of what, how I measure success and, and uh, uh, success has been, We've been fortunate to have, but success is is, is really uh, from from not just the Nusser family, the Hands family, but from all the families who've worked at Hands, mm-hmm. you know, and all the customers that we've had. I mean, I always joke and say, if it was just the Nussers, we would have messed this thing up a long time, right? <laughs> like, team, but, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that team aspect is really and, and and making sure that everybody feels like you know they're having success, not just myself. Yeah, and and success. Uh, maybe the goal but it's the process that's important sure yeah very true yeah yeah absolutely well this has been awesome i hey, appreciate you, you guys yeah, what, yeah. what an amazing small business success story and a and a gem of of history and uh and all good things right there in downtown iowa city and i appreciate you guys yeah, thank taking you the time. so much it's, it's a pleasure this has been great. Awesome happy to be here so. thank you Nate. yeah my thanks to bill and charlie nusser for coming on to the show to talk about their real success Learn more about Hands Jewelers at handsjewelers.com. I'd also like to thank Midwest One Bank for sponsoring this podcast. You can learn more and experience simply better banking at midwestone.bank. This podcast is produced by Upload Media Group, located in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information on them, you can visit uploadmediagroup.com. And of course, if you enjoy this show, please consider subscribing and reviewing on your podcast platform of choice. It helps us to continue to develop and grow. Real Success with Nate Kading is a Corridor Media Group podcast. For more information, visit corridorbusiness.com.